Rejoice and exult with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has cleared away your enemies. Zechariah chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. To begin with, I just wanted to um, share an interpretive tool for whenever we're hearing the Old Testament. Um, at two levels, first, the, the person being addressed by Zephaniah is the daughter of Jerusalem, um, or also the daughter of Zion. And this is a prophetic uh, phrase for the church, because we have been born out of Israel, right? We, the new covenant has come out of the old covenant, like a daughter from a mother. So that phrase in particular... Um, clues us in that what we're hearing is a prophecy for the church, for those of us in the covenant in Christ Jesus. Um, But actually, even if it didn't say daughter of Jerusalem, even if it just said Jerusalem or Israel, we know from the key given to us in 1 Corinthians 10 that everything in the Old Testament was written for our sake, was written for us. Even as it's a narration of sacred history, it's written to us and for us. And because God himself is the author behind the human authors, the gospel is on every page. Indeed, um, this prophecy of Zephaniah is uh, among my favorites. And so I want to look at a couple things in it. The first um, is that we're given, we're told these words, rejoice and exult with all your heart. And that word rejoice is, I don't know if you're ear corded, it's a theme that kind of runs through all of the lessons that we heard today uh, in the psalm. Um, Actually, I I confess, I didn't even notice it until hearing it again, um, just as we read it just now. But in the psalm, It's even hidden there. Will you not turn again and quicken us that your people may rejoice in you? Will you make us alive so we can rejoice? And then we heard it in Philippians, didn't we? Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. And in Zephaniah, rejoice. It's like it's this theme that's coming to us. And I think, I believe that the word um, rejoice and exult, even though it's in the imperative, it's not a command like a law. I was thinking, like, well, because you can't just command someone, like, be joyful. Like, what am I going to do, a jig, right? You can't just... Um, it's an invitation. And the, the sort of the tone, the grammar, the, the thing that sort of came to mind is when Carrie says to me, like, Ben, quick, come, come see what Daisy's doing, right? And it's, like, so cute. I'm not going to be like, don't tell me what to do. Don't give me another command. Right? Oh, I, I want to see. Right? That's what the, inv- the command to rejoice is, is invitation to rejoice. And it's always for a reason. There's always a reason that given in the scriptures why we should rejoice. Indeed, it's right here. Why should we rejoice? The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. Clearly a prophecy of Jesus, because only in Jesus has the judgment been taken away. And whose judgment? Of course, God's own judgment. That his righteous, accurate assessment, right? And and here actually judgment has the sort of very, the Hebrew, the Hebrew word, has the connotation of like this judicial, including a sentencing and a punishment. The, the judgment, the just punishment for my sins and for your sins is that we would all be put away from God forever, banished from his holy and loving presence. That was the just judgment that because Jesus took upon the punishment himself, the judgment has been taken away from us. That's the gospel, the good news proclaimed by Zephaniah. The judgment has been taken away. God's own judgment, 
he has actually carried it away on his own back. Right? When he put on the cross as a garment, when he took up the cross willingly, he's taking up the judgment himself so that he can carry it away so that it's no longer level against us. That's the reason for rejoicing, right? I think, I think about how happy I am if I were to just find like a $20 bill, like in the parking lot, right? Well, then there's also then the ambiguity, like, do I have to turn it in? Is it small enough amount? I don't know. Um, but I think we, we, we don't rejoice if we, don't, if we find ourselves. I, I, let me say, say it confessionally. I don't rejoice as much as I wish I did. Right? I, should, I should see more joy in my heart for this gift that God has given us in taking the judgment away. And I just pray that over time, he will continue to impress me with a sense of what he's done, that my joy will grow. Rejoice and exult, not just a little, but with all your heart. With all your heart. This, the singular preoccupation of the saints of the past is that they can't get out of their minds the fact that God has cleared the judgment away from them. And actually the blessing is double. Not only has he cleared away the judgment, it says he has cleared away your enemies. He's taken away the judgments against you and he's cleared away your enemies. Right? Satan and death. He's finally pushed them away and they're no longer harassing us the way they did for eons, centuries and millennia before Christ came. He has cleared away your enemies. Zephaniah begins, Sing aloud, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. O Israel. That's the quality of the rejoicing. It's why we sing in church. It's not just some random cultural trapping, like, oh, we just always sing. It's because singing is the vocal response, of, is the way we rejoice. Right? We, we don't say happy birthday. We sing happy birthday. And so we sing in church. Our rejoicing is characterized by singing. And one of the sweetest aspects of this passage, I wonder if you caught it as it was read, is that in this prophecy, we're not the only ones who are said to be rejoicing and singing. Right? We are rejoicing and singing because of what God has done for us by taking away the judgments. But Zephaniah actually, the Holy Spirit speaking through Zephaniah, actually pulls back the veil even further. Listen to this. The Lord your God is in your midst. Kind of a Christmas prophecy, right? God with us, the Holy Spirit now in his church as well. A mighty one who will save. He, the Lord your God, the triune God, he will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. It's the same words, right? Rejoice and exult. So we get this picture of here we are standing God's people who have received the news that he's taken away the judgment. We rejoice and sing. And in his love, he then rejoices and sings over us. It's like this sort of mirror image across heaven and earth. We're rejoicing in him. He's rejoicing over us. It's a startling picture because I think I tend to, in my fleshliness, wrongly think of God as like he saved us almost like against his better, better judgment or something. Right? Like, well, fine if they need salvation. Right? But no, it's out of this enormous, uncontainable heart of love. The picture here, I think, is twofold. Is that when you look at how these words are used elsewhere in the Old Testament, um, sort of standing over like if we are we are the ransomed bride of Christ and we were stolen as it were by Satan and by sin and by death and through Jesus Christ we've been brought back and so the the singing that God does over us has this sort of double quality it's it's the song of a victor 
And he's conquered what had taken away his bride, sin and death and Satan. And so he's singing with a conqueror, the joy of a conqueror. But it's also a love song. Isaiah actually fleshes this out. Um, who prophesied around the same time as Zephaniah. He uses the same words and he says, God rejoices over his people as a bridegroom over his bride. It's a love song. And um, this actually makes me feel kind of embarrassed that God would stand over us with joy, singing a love song, grateful that he gets to be with us. I am. Just this week saw for the first time um, How to Train Your Dragon 2. Has anybody seen that film? Mm -hmm. This is a pretty good film. Um, But um, there's a scene where this husband sings this song to his wife who'd been gone for a long time and kind of forgotten about everything. And, and, it's this, and to hear a husband sing a song of love over his wife, it, it was like, it was a kid's movie. And I'm like crying, it was so beautiful. And that was just this tiniest picture of God singing with love over us. Let these words be the, um, sink deep into your ears. He, the Lord your God, will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. What a tender picture. And the Hebrew there actually also includes that God himself is quiet in that moment. So there's this sort of enraptured silence, like that moment in Revelation when it says there was 30 minutes of quiet. It's a strange picture in the apocalypse. But it's the silence of awe and love, but silence that can't stay contained. Love that can't stay contained in silence, it bursts out again in song. He'll rejoice over you. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. I hope it feels a little bit embarrassing because it means you're sensing the great love that God has for us. Love that um, is most clearly sort of the strongest image the scripture gives as here is bride and groom. And therefore it's appropriate that his table is described as a wedding banquet table. Eternally in heaven, that's sort of the clearest picture, the wedding banquet of the Lamb in Revelation 19 as we're thinking about the end times and the second coming with all these readings in Advent. But we get this foretaste, right? I like to think about this very table as if it's sort of like beamed down from heaven and it's like this foretaste. This is a tiny little piece of wood. But it's like this fragment of this enormous wedding table in heaven where all the saints gather in this reciprocal rejoicing. Us rejoicing in him, him rejoicing in us, us rejoicing in him more because of that in eternal joy and love. Rejoice and exult with all your heart. O daughter of Jerusalem. Amen.